0: Welcome to Whole Lot of Wolves. This is episode 12 of our second season. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley.
1: And I'm Paula Page.
0: And we've got one of our favorite duo acts this week. There's Siegfried and Roy. There's Mickey and Minnie. And then there is Dan John and David Copy. How is it going, guys?
2: That's a hell of an intro. <laughs> How
0: are you doing today? Good, good. How's everything up in New York? It's, it's good. It's yeah. starting to get cold. Starting to get cold. Yeah, it was chilly last week here, too. It was in the low 80s Fahrenheit. (laughs) I
2: won't take the bait. Oh, (laughs) God.
0: All right. So let's get to the game against Leeds. Some last-minute drama. Looked like we were going to get three points. And it turned out to be just one point we got after a 1-1 draw against Leeds. Thanks to a very late stoppage time penalty kick by Leeds. I personally was still happy with the result. Paul, what were
1: your thoughts? So I'd have taken a point at the start of the game, balance of play. I'd have taken a point at the end of it. I thought the penalty was harsh, that it was very soft. I think if that was a foul, any other part of the pitch, he wouldn't have given it. I don't think too many differences to the one that he'd turned down previously, when there was that coming together. I think it was purely because it was at that stage of the game, it took too long to make the decision. It was like he was waiting for someone to make it. And I think he felt the pressure of the crowd, but that doesn't shy away from the fact that it was, again, probably a, a, a fair result. We weren't the best team in the second half by any stretch. I was just very disappointed that to go a goal up so early and it looked like we had some attacking intent definitely down the left-hand side, it seemed like we were finding some space in the final third. If we'd have gone on and got a second, I think we'd have won it at a canter, so it's disappointing again. Where was that attacking intent from those first three games rather than going bats to the wall defensive for... 80 minutes and trying to hang on all the way through the second half that was disappointing for me the forward line work Raul seemed isolated too much there was never that release either to to one of the wide men or to one of the midfielders that could help him out a little so the ball never stuck up front there was never really that penetration so d- disappointing as a as a body of work i think the whole game was really
0: David, what were your thoughts? Do you share the same feelings as Paul?
2: Yeah, yeah. Pretty much agree with everything you said. Going into the match away from home, Leeds are not a bad team. They've been on a bit of a bad run. We, I think last season's two one-nil wins were a bit cheeky and fortunate, so you, you had a sense that karma would come back uh, and haunt us. So like you said, going into the match, I think we'd have been okay with the point. But like you said, to be within three minutes of injury time from Getting a win. And I think the way the results were on Saturday, finishing Saturday night at fourth, was really disappointing. I think so I'm trying to rationalise it there and not be too upset. But I, I do think it was a penalty. I think it was soft. And if it was the other way around, I think we all know that we wouldn't have got it. But if you're trying to be impartial, Sumido goes in and he does give him a little bit of a shove in the back, which probably, which was probably a bit unwise on his part, because then you just you're giving the referee a decision to make. Like you said, we've seen similar decisions like that when uh, actually, actually, it was Semedo who got barged over against Spurs and it wasn't given. And that was way more contact uh, than than he suffered. If you're trying to be impartial again, it, it probably was. Uh, so overall, happy with the point and keeps the unbeaten run going. But like you said, the way we didn't hang on and like you said, Paul, the fact that we seem to sit back after going a goal up and we weren't attacking as much as we know we can. I, I think we actually maybe were trying to attack, it's just every time we tried to put the ball upfield, we lost it again, and Leeds got it and came back at us. So I don't think we're actually consciously sitting back. It's just we're kind crap at keeping possession and keeping the ball away from Leeds.
0: Dan, what were your
2: thoughts after the game?
3: Yeah, in one of my posts, uh, a fair but frustrating result, and I think that kind of sums up my feelings on it. Um, happy to go away to Leeds and get a point. After the game, yes. Before the game, given Leeds' form, I was hoping we'd push on a little bit more and get that win. So a little frustrated we didn't do that. I felt after we started so strongly, you just had, we needed to get that second goal and it, it just wasn't coming. Overall, I felt the performance was a little bit lacklustre. But again, we came away with a point from a team that can play well on their day. I know they're not playing well at the moment, but on their day, they can be a very tough team. So, yeah. Fair bit frustrating.
0: Paul, I was trying to remember a couple weeks ago, didn't we say this three game stretch of um, Villa, Leeds and Everton? We were thinking four points would be good. Yeah,
1: I think uh, on reflection, four points out of those two games, four points heading into next Monday's game is a pretty solid return you'd, you'd like to probably picked up one win and two draws out of those or ideally two wins so it could be what we get on monday is a bonus but it's just those again those fine margins and the what would be if we'd uh if we'd add the rub of the green on saturday so it, it's tricky not to be too critical when we are talking about that good runner form and again that I see little murmurings about the setup or even myself, why are we going into our shell or taking that particular approach? But at the end of the day, Bruno was playing with all the Nuno's pieces on Saturday apart from one with Wang. So he's churning out those results however they come. And I think we've got to be... Grateful that we're like you know, getting on for a court the way into the season, and we we're nicely placed. So as as a balance of word, not only over those recent games but the start to the season, I think it's been a pretty good one.
0: I do feel like I have to come to the defense of Samato just a little bit. re coming out after getting hurt was really that was not a good loss right there because it brought Hoover in. And if you notice, Hoover started on that left side, and that he, he just can't play the left side at all. So then they had to switch it, put Tomato on the left. That's obviously not his best side. He is able to play it, but it's not his best side. And that's the side where he committed the penalty. So. Sure obviously he did make the mistake and everything i just think it's tough when you're having to move from a position that you maybe play like one two percent of the time am i being a little too lenient there
2: i i honestly can't quite work somato out there's times where you look at him and you think he's a really good attacking defender and then you think why the hell did he do that (laughs) (laughs) um so I know he gets panned quite a bit and I think that's a little unfair. But yeah, I hadn't actually thought of that. That's a really good point that he was working on the other side and then your whole body positioning, your stronger side, your weaker side, it does throw you off. off. So yeah, maybe maybe that did impact his thinking and contribute to it. But I think anytime in a situation like that where you're in close quarters, make don't give the referee a decision to make. And make the bloke earn something, and just by by putting his arm on the guy's back with a bit of pressure, yeah he gave the referee a decision to make, and they got a penalty kick. And the point he was at wasn't even like right on the six yard box, or in just inside the six yard box. It was a very tough angle where he came down, mm-hmm. so it was not like he was through on goal, and he really needed to challenge him because I think there was another defender there and saw So I think it was a little foolish. He was playing out of position, like you said.
0: Dan, you guys are up there in the New York area. Do you, do you figure that the the guy who was the referee on Saturday would be a good fit for Jersey Shore? Because it seems he did, made sure and did a lot of Jim Tan laundry.
3: I feel that he seemed like he was trying to stamp his authority onto the game, but didn't really quite know how. Forgive me if I'm incorrect about this, but I'm pretty sure Leeds got through that first half without a yellow card. I think yeah, Matinio was the only yellow card in the first half. And that, to me, is staggering, considering that Raul was getting dragged down. And I think he, he, he could have... I think he was equally bad to both teams. Overall, I think he lost the game a little bit and could have stepped in a bit sooner to limit the fouling and the little niggly games. And he did get a very chippy game at one point. But I just hope we don't see him again for a while. Although I'd rather him than Mike Dean. <laughs> I think we all yeah. would. Yeah,
0: yeah, Paul. What did you think? It was another game where we didn't see substitutions till after the 70th minute. I tend to think Bruno keeps trying to send a message to Fosen when he does stuff like that. But mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Because it's looking like this is just his strategy.
1: Yeah, it was weird. It, again, it he was he was playing with a tricky hand on Saturday because he had Saïs on a book in Amutinio, So. There, were, yeah. there was always question marks about if you're going to change it and then one of them picks up another one, then you're in trouble. But, I again, I thought it went on too long without a change, e- even if it was a tweak in formation and maybe solidifying the midfield somewhat because, really, apart from a couple of flashes, Traore had a shocker and mm-hmm. he, he didn't penetrate the ball. He wasn't really advancing it up. The field, the, the times when he did get it, he always seemed to be trying to come inside and, and kick off on a Maisie run again, whereas he never really hugged the touchline and went after their fallback and trying to put any crosses in. So I thought it was, it, whilst it made the correct decision based on his performance, the flip side is what better player to have as a release when the back to the wall and you're defensive, I'd have rather have kept him on and stuck him up front, either with Raul or another another outlet, just to have his pace and some explosiveness, because I think Podence had a couple of opportunities where he was either the last man or had a couple of plays to beat, where obviously hasn't got that rapid burst of pace that Traore has. you would probably bat Traore to craft something from those opportunities so i thought that was a little odd and then even when the changes started to happen at one point i think just before Out new is going to come out they were looking to bring Trincao on, and I was like, how does that fit into the narrative that we're up against at the moment where it's back to the wall? He's not necessarily going to be that big. He's going to be that massive, the outlet that we need. It just seemed a little odd, but then again, you're looking around to a bench that's still really light and what we're going to do bring John Ruddy on because we've got two keepers so there's a reflection of our strength in depth at the moment
3: on the question of Treora, if you don't mind me jumping in no obviously we he, you know the, the the ongoing contract saga whatever you want to call it for me for him to become one of the highest paid players at the club which is what i one of the rumors I've heard banded around he hasn't shown it to me this season He's had these moments of absolute brilliance where it is literally everybody off their feet, seeing him in his name. Yes, yes. Has he got an assist or a goal this year? No. no. Does sure. that kind of play justify the biggest contract at the club? And for me personally, it doesn't it mean I even, want to lose him. Yeah. It doesn't mean I want to lose him, but. I, I like am curious. Some of
0: you. Who do you think, not saying you're wrong here, but who do you think, based on performance, should be the highest paid player on the club? And why is it Max Kilman?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's tough to say. I've, I've obviously got a pension for Raul and now he's back and playing. I know he didn't score this weekend, but he was instrumental in the Huang goal, and you can see him trying stuff. When Neves is on form, he's, he's like a quarterback stringing the play around. But then when he's not on form, it can be painful to watch him at times. If I had to pick a name, I would say Raul. Yeah, I um, think that's, that's
0: fair, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think I read that Moutinho is at the moment, which if you think about his experience does make sense. Um, yeah. he's a, he's, as an older chap myself, I fully support that, uh, that rationale. <laughs> and, and with his experience, but midfield, central defensive midfielders probably don't command as much uh, of, a, of a salary. So yeah, I think definitely Raul, goal scorers always will. Command a premium for exactly that reason. So it probably should be Raul if he's uh, back in his prime. But yeah, I totally agree with what you said, Dan. Adama, this is th- Adama has no excuses now. He's incredibly exciting, ex- ex- incredibly fast and skillful, but he's not producing now. And if he's not producing now, he, I don't think he ever will. And that's the conundrum. You don't want to lose him for nothing, but you also don't want to throw loads of money at him just because you might lose him for nothing. And but then the question is, who is going to come in and offer forty, fifty million for him if he's not producing for us? <laughs> there sort of there's no good way out of it. The, right. the good way out of it is he starts producing for us, we re- reward him, and then somebody comes in with a stupid big money offer. If we lose him at all, but if none of the above are happening, I don't know what we do.
0: And I think I, I think he's making it pretty clear he wants to be a starter. If he goes to one of these big clubs, he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be coming off. The bench in the 60th minute, I think potence is settling into for us. <laughs> Paul, who's your most, uh, who do you think should be highest played? I think Raul is probably the best answer, right?
1: I, I'm in favor of that. And again, that's who you effectively build in the team. You're number nine and the the goals justify the, the outlay and everything. But he was mentioned previously and I think he's, we talk about his form, but For me, he's still shackled too much. And the player that, again, I would base the whole team around, I'd sign him up for a five-year contract at 150 grand a week. I'd play him further up the pitch, and I'd just say, go and ball, and that would be Nevis. And I'd stick him next to his most complimentary partner in the best possible formation to suit his game, and I'd build everything around him. But... I think we're short from seeing Neves at his best, A, because of the partnerships that he's got to pick from, and B, the formation stifles him, and he has to do too much of the defensive work. Whereas I want to see him 10 yards further up the pitch, dictating the play a little bit more with that star midfielder who goes box to box and complements his game. Are, Are we going to see that come the... January transfer window, or are we waiting for the summer? I, I don't know. So you want Renato Sanchez? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, simply,
2: which, yeah. Which we then brings up to back to four. A, a,
1: yeah, right. I, I want Sanchez and a back four, which means at least one quality centre-back incoming, please, yeah. to play with Max Kilman. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: How many, not to play Monday morning quarterback here, how many more points do you think we'd have if we had gotten Sven Botman and uh, Renato Sanchez over the finish line?
1: It gotta be at least three, right? It it was certainly one one win out of those first three games, probably a point mm-hmm. at Leicester uh, mm-hmm. and beating Man United or Tottenham, and then. Pretty, pretty much the, the run that we've been on. The only real true stinker that we haven't really reverted back to, even though Saturday was pretty painful, was Brentford at home. So, mm. do you just put that down to being a freak result? But, I, again, I still generally think that with this team and this squad, two more quality additions, a change in formation, you've got a very competitive team pushing top six.
3: Can I just say, I think we also have to remember... Bruno Lage, he's still learning and feeling out the Premier League, and I think you can see that week by week. That when Brentford did us with all the time wasting, we have seen that he started to bring a little bit of that into the Wolves game when we need it. It obviously didn't work at the weekend. i re- like, we're doing. I think we're doing very well. I know there's some performances are lacking. I I think he's still trying to work out what works in this league and what doesn't work, and I think. The way to really judge where this team is going, in my opinion, I know we're not going to probably get a lot of people in January, but I want to see how Bruno does in the second half of the season once he's had time to bed in a little more. I agree. Um, and, but, gets,
2: and gets Neto back and maybe Johnny back. Yeah. That was
0: actually going to be my next topic here was about Neto. Rumors are coming out. Wolves sent the team doctor over, a doctor over to Portugal, but rumors are that he had another setback. Dan, did you see that, and is that concerning?
3: Yeah, I, I did see it, uh, and obviously it's very concerning. Obviously, if Wolves are sending the doctor over there to really find out what's going on, the club is concerned. It's probably one of the big reasons is he's just such a special talent. If you talk about who's got the potential to be the highest-paid player at the club right now, obviously Raul's mm. a bit old, and Neto's still young. If we could keep hold of Neto I, with the way he played, I would have no problem making him the highest-paid player at the club. So every game he's not with us, every minute he's spending rehabbing from injury is a concern and a loss to the team, in my opinion. I, was, I, I saw something
2: about Neto, and I don't know if I missed the, the article you're talking about, but I saw something saying further injury setback for Neto. But it was actually the thing I read was just recycling a story from a few weeks back that, no, it's probably not going to be November. It'll be the, the February that, that, that we were originally told. So I don't know if I missed something when there was something more substantial to it than that.
0: I think that's what's difficult being over here in the States, trying to get kind of news on I- the injury front with the club and everything. I feel like, Paul, you and David have a little more, maybe Dan, you do too, than certainly me just because you have some people that back there. It's tough to get accurate information, though, here on the States because you're having to rely on Twitter and yeah, how completely accurate that stuff is
1: i think those reports came out from just a general update that bruno gave on injuries and then it was someone like the the daily mail or one of those publications putting some spin around it to try and create a story that might have yeah. not been needed where you take it two ways you either say the doctor's going over just to get a pulse of how he's progressing, which if you just understood it in those simple terms, then that would probably be pretty standard. You're not making Neto come back to the UK, travel unnecessarily for that checkup. Us sending a doctor to Portugal makes complete sense. But then on mm-hmm. the flip side, you can easily write that to say, emergency, we'll send <laughs> doctor to Portugal in fear in huge big letters so the club I think the club try and then you, you the opinion of whoever's writing that up journalistically is where you take uh, where you, where you take something from in terms of what you're supposed to be believing. Yeah I'd agree with that. Neves do we think he has a knock or no? I think it was probably Bruno's managing the, the finite resources that he's got and it's a case of where he mentioned in the summer that Neves, Dendonka and Moutinho all seem pretty similar. It's just a case of trying to make the most of everyone's minutes and fit who, put whoever's fit, whoever's showing during the week in terms of best fitness out each week and rotating them that way. I could probably see Monday night Neves start and Moutinho rested because he put in a lot of legwork Moutinho did but it was all very much in a defensive capacity he didn't really influence the game that we'd ideally like a defensive midfielder to do again why he can't drop a corner on that space of grass between the penalty spot and the six-yard box is beyond me after I love the guy to death but how many Portugal caps still can't do that especially when out is is on the pitch to put it in and then that free kick I'm not sure what angle they saw if it was different to mine but if ever there was one that just screamed to either let Saïs just twat it and see what happened or do something a little inventive to create some space on that side for Saiz to hit it with power I, I, I don't know that you just saw Moutinho line up and you could have predicted it, looked in a crystal ball and yeah. told you what was going to happen. So we're crying out for some midfield influence on the game. Out of all those three, Neves is head and shoulders about any of them that that, that can do it. So, again, you've got to maximise his availability and do whatever you can to get him on the pitch for the most minutes as possible.
2: Didn't didn't Moutinho, Moutinho come up injured? It seemed like he reminded me yeah, of him grabbing his, his hamstrings head. when he yeah. came out. I was surprised he kept him on so long because getting booked in the fourth minute, especially with a player like Metunia who was always nipping around people's heels trying to win the ball back. you're you know, Very easy to pick up a second yellow when you're playing like that. So I, I was surprised he stayed on so long. But I think Lange has also been doing a, a smart job of balancing people's time. Look at Raul when he came back from Mexico.
0: Which was you know, super I smart. Think
2: Yeah, it was. And I think a lot of us were baying for him to come on. What did Tim Spears say that Raul was staring daggers at the bench, warming up on his own, saying, (laughs) put me on now. But that's really smart. and Balance the squad that you have.
3: Talking squad, I was just wondering why we haven't seen Willy Bolly yet.
0: He apparently got hurt Friday in in practice, is what I heard.
1: Illness, I think it was.
0: Oh, it was illness. Oh, was it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, not COVID related, but something... About illness.
2: Oh, okay. I thought it was an injury because he did his hamstring and it's been a long time he's been on the bench. But yeah, it's strange that he uh, he hasn't got back in.
0: So, did you guys see the latest marketing genius by Wolves when they released the Huang Hee Chan Squid Game shirt?
2: I and did, what are your thoughts? I, my boss, oh, I'm gonna jump in right there. My boss is Korean and he keeps telling me I have to watch Squid Games. It's uh, fantastic. Is it Squid games or quid games? It's Squid. Squid games, game. So, Squid game. Because so, he said it'll like, it'll <coughs> explain to me the crazy culture he grew up in. So as soon as I saw that. He's been uh, lobbying me to buy him a wool shirt. I bought one in August when I was back. I saw that. I'm like, dude, you're getting the second one. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was going to order one for myself. And my wife just looked at me and said, no, don't be an idiot. So <laughs> I only ordered one.
0: Uh,
2: I think, hey, yeah, that's smart. Didn't one wife, of the, the actresses on the Squid Game say that she's a big fan of playing?
0: I didn't hear that. It wouldn't surprise me. And that's. I, I like to see this type of stuff with Wolves, and I feel like that's one of the things they excel at is they know how to leverage their players marketing-wise. Obviously, Raul, we've seen it. Whenever they are able to come to the U.S., they're going to make boatloads of cash because of him. Something as simple as a shirt with Hee Chan, and something that's topical, too. I don't know. Dan,
1: Paul, have you guys seen Squid Game? I watched the first one on the weekend. Uh, it was on the watch list. So it is neat that they're able to, to capture that popular culture. Is it what's the, the brand of tennis shoe that they're wearing? Is it Converse or Vans? And those plain white Vans have sold like 400% more since that series has yeah. been out. So it's those little incremental things that someone smart enough to pick up on and at least milk for a few weeks while it's still popular and yeah they'll sell a few 20 quid t-shirts and make make a few quid so yeah all, all power to them
0: easy money man easy money and if that's yep. what we need to get some players let's do it kill okay. <laughs> the coffers On to Monday we go this upcoming week. We're the last fixture of game week 10 when we're back at Molyneux hosting Everton. And to help preview the opposition, we're delighted to be joined again by one half of the popular Drunken United EPL podcast in Everton fan, Sam Houston. How's it going, Sam?
4: Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me again. Yeah. Uh, I do have to admit openly right off the jump, we have just finished recording our show. And the most important thing about our show is we have to have a drink in our hand. And I've been drinking quite a bit of uh, Scottish whiskey. And so I'm a little loose and ready to go. So
1: let's have a good time. Whilst uh, your catchphrase is the mute button i think mine will be ready and waiting to click the e for explicit button so uh yeah all set as far as that goes sam you're, uh, well, you're good Paul, this week
4: fear not i know how to chew with my mouth closed i will give you only effings that's what <laughs> i will give you because <laughs> <laughs> especially after this past weekend there's a lot of them to
1: come true true okay so sam we'll start in the summer actually ancelotti went to real madrid controversially you welcome former manager of arch rivals liverpool rafa benitez to the helm at goodison so is it fair to say it's been somewhat jekyll and hyde results wise so far this season and is that down to the the cards that rafa's playing with or is he trying to put his stamp on the team
4: i wouldn't necessarily call it jekyll and hyde because we started very well and we are performing poorly now but The reason why we're performing poorly is because we have on our bench currently two goalkeepers, a half-eaten ham sandwich, a side of pierogies, and Alex Awobi. This is what we have. (laughs) So it's really hard to manage what you need when even just Andres Gomez isn't a starter on our team, but... Damn if he wouldn't be helpful right now. And it was, I'm sure we'll get on to it with losing both Richie and Dominic Calvert Lewin, but DeCorey is such a huge blow to this side. And while Davies offers something and Alon offers something, they don't offer much together. So when I say roller coaster ride, it's really been. It's a result of the last two weeks, and we're n- and we wanted to believe in Rafa, and then Rafa gave us zero reason to believe in him in the last two weeks, and all of us are like, ah, he's a red implant, he's screwing us over, he's gonna destroy the club. Like it, all, all the horrible feelings just rush in.
1: I think you, you you touch on it just a moment ago, and one player in particular. And it's a source of goals. So we saw it last year with Raul and, and now with Calvert-Lewin out. How's that going to be overcome? How would you replace your number nine?
4: I think we're okay with him being out. The key thing was no Richie meant, especially in this match, you could pay attention to Gray. Gray has been very successful, and I know we're going to move on to the signings that we've had, but Gray and Towson have been very successful because you insert Calvert-Lewin and because you insert Richarlison. People pay attention to those players, and then those guys make more opportunity because of it, because of space. And I think adding Richie, particularly in the match that we are about to play against you— helps us greatly now. But the problem is is I have my internal fight as an Everton supporter is, is Rafa the red going to screw this all up. It's very simple. Put Richie up top, put Gordon on the outside and we'll be okay. But he's also the guy that had gray and Gordon both playing the best of our entire squad this past week. And he subbed both of them out while having a defensive midfielder and uh, Jean-Philippe Gabim, who JPEG, if the wind blows, he gets hurt. But you had a defensive midfielder and you go up two to one, and your answer is Alex Iwobi.
1: <laughs> ham like, sandwich, ham sandwich, It's not the answer. <laughs> like,
4: honestly, I would have been better with the ham sandwich and the side of pierogies. They might've defended better.
1: So you you mentioned some of those players relatively quiet, splashing the transfer market in the summer, but they've made an impact. So Townsend being on a free, Damari Gray seems very astute for a couple of million. And I think you you touch upon our Achilles heel and the player who seems to love scoring against the walls and whom I'm worried about, Richarlison. So are they really the... The key danger, man, that we've got to be uh, on the lookout for Monday, depending on how you how you shape up.
4: Looking at your club specifically from an outsider's point of view, got to lick your lips at the back end of your team. Like, the three-man system isn't working. If you go to a four, Cody's lost. Like, yeah, your yeah. defense is really at sixes and sevens before you even walk on the pitch, right? Now, the worry is, offensively, There's weapons you can score. And for us, I feel like there's enough to get the ball in the back of the net. And I hope that Rafa, the tinkerer, gets it right with who he has as far as players go. The big problem for us is we look at it and we go, great start. Now we question everything. After these last two results, we just question everything. Everything and the biggest miss for us honestly isn't Calvert Lewin and it's not Rashalison. Sherry Mina. Yeah. In the back, we we like we all wanted to appoint Godfrey like the second coming of God. He's still a young player, he's still gonna make mistakes, and right now he's making a ton of mistakes. He's probably better suited with Mina than he is with Keen. Keane works really well with Holgate. So we have four very good centre-backs, but they have to be paired a very specific way.
1: So it's somewhat tricky. I think your expectations at the start of the season may have shifted somewhat, even though we're nine, ten games into it now. But What will a good season be for Everton, both in terms of support or expectations this year and now where you find yourself competing with this level of teams that we are in the EPL in in those mid positions? It's
4: hard to comprehend and understand because particularly for Everton, you reached a point where you have to balance the books. While we know that financial fair play is going to go away, but right now it still hangs very heavy over all of our heads. And we have ownership that wants to spend money, but we spent a lot earlier. And we're sitting like back from 2016 when we decided to buy every number 10 because that apparently was going to work and it didn't. And we're still stuck with that bill. And hence why we only spent $2 million this season because all we could spend. And we tried to sell James. Nobody wanted him. We ultimately sold him to a Qatari team that he still hasn't played for yet, but he takes really great photos for Instagram (laughs) to Dubai as he's eating a $2,000 meal. But he's okay with that because that's who he is and who we are as a club that this overall play of the league, the league is getting richer and the league is getting better. And I look at right now, there are three teams that are clearly vying for a title. It's City, it's Liverpool, and it's Chelsea. And then from 4th to 13th, there is going to be a very good team that does not finish in the top 10. Villa, Leeds, Everton, Wolverhampton are all good sides. Arsenal, Tottenham, they may not finish in the top 10. They may not. One of those, cl- a couple of those clubs won't be there at the end of the season. And that's not to say they aren't good teams. They're very good teams. And that's the hard part to wrap around. It's what is success for a club? Like, ultimately, where do I want Everton to be? In a European spot. That's where I want them to be. But well, we could be in 13th, out of a European spot by one point. True. Yeah. It's just, that's what the, that is what the best slash wealthiest league in the world has become. I love it. I love it. And, and and that's going to be what's so great about what, what is brought all of us American supporters into watching this league. And it's also been what's brought all of us American supporters to not support the big six. Yeah. Yeah. To to love other clubs, there's there's a hope, there's a belief that it can be different. But in the same it's it's a knife's edge. You just don't know. So for me, it's Europe. But if I'm in 13th, one point behind seventh, hard to be angry. It's really kind of hard to be angry, especially considering the finances that we're working with as we build a new stadium.
1: Sam, just uh, wrap up and tell the good folk how they can hear all of your wonderful content each week. (laughs) Wonderful, the operative word. (laughs) So, DU Football Show,
4: we are on every podcast platform. We are on uh, YouTube. We put up videos of our shows. We're now recording live every Monday night on Facebook Live. So, at DU Football Show on Facebook. Our closed group is uh drunker united FC where all we do is just talk shit constantly. That's all we do is just and you apply a very good amount of it, especially to producer Especially Mal. when he reads off a line and I <laughs> I didn't think I just looked at him and says Paul, right? Paul. <laughs> um uh on on all the socials at du football show
0: this should be an interesting game. As disappointed as we may have felt on Saturday, I can't even begin to think of what Everton fans were feeling after blowing a 2-1 lead to Watford and losing 5-2 with Watford scoring four goals in the last 15 minutes. What are your thoughts here? Is it Everton's going to be on tilt or Everton's going to be fired up for the game on Monday?
3: Well, Watford doesn't really like to uh, let the Rock rest and stay so i think they're going to be fired up depends how much that's going to help them i correct me if anyone knows better than me i believe yeri mean is still out for a, a, next monday i'm I not sure i don't think they have calvin lewin back either
1: um yeah, he's more long term
3: so those are going to be two big misses for them the interesting thing for us is, are we going to be able to control? Is it Damari Gray there now? He's r- ripping it up for them. He's had a real rejuvenation in his career, and he's just the kind of player that our defence has trouble with. He likes to get a bit physical, gets quick, so we'll see how it goes. But overall, I th- I'm, I'm positive. I, I think they'll be fired up, but I don't think they'll have enough if we're on form.
1: I think it's a nice team to play at home, regardless, and, and I would say at the moment, first 11s are probably evenly balanced and previous seasons Everton's always been a tough game but one that you always had a feeling that apart from last season it was one that you may have got something out of and I think it's just to be the approach that Rafa takes and what Everton that we see because Whilst they've had some pretty decent results, they've obviously had Saturday happen to them. They also got pumped by Villa 3-0 at Villa Park. So you'd probably say those teams are are, are paralleled in terms of first eleven strength. When you look at the rest of the fixtures, apart from Man United, it's not really like they've had a top three or top four team that they've come up against so far this season. So... I'm not sure yet. We can really gauge their quality, so I think that leads to it being pretty open and and an opportunity to get a result. Yeah, I would say Rafa's is, is a good manager, and
2: like you said, Dan, he's not gonna he's he's gonna gonna want to avenge that result. I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me because like, the last time I'd looked at the score, it was two-one Everton to see him lose <laughs> to that But yeah, I just looked, and uh, Calvert-Lewin's out, Decory's out until the new year potentially, Mina's out i got Solomon Rondon up front, who all the Everton fans are saying is rubbish and shouldn't be anywhere near the team, so they're really hurting. We've got some injuries, but they're really hurting. But Rafa's a good manager, so he's going to want to get a result out of his players, so it's a bit of a banana skin for us, I think. But if you look at the form book and uh, sort of the sides that we can put out i think i think we should be able to get a result there certainly hope so
0: i'm not really sure how much them being angry really will carry over because you should be able to look at villa they should have been super angry after blowing a 2-0 lead to wolves and losing 3-2 hmm. and then they came in saturday and got hammered or was that the friday game they got hammered it was friday yeah. yeah yeah so i'm not going to buy into the the Kind of the hype that, oh, Everton's going to be super mad and come out fired up. Maybe they will. Maybe they have a lot of doubt after losing a game like that to Watford. And then you're having to hit the road the next week. It's, I don't know. I don't know. Is this the week we go with the back four?
2: No. But
0: any lineup changes, guys? David, I'll let you start that one.
2: the, one, the- the one I want to throw out, I don't know if this is on you, I'm not, to, not, to, not to mess up your list of questions, but I saw a rumor about Cody to Newcastle in January, which would be uh, an interesting one. But uh, obviously that's not for this one, this uh, Monday, which one, are we honestly ready to sell our captain? And two, are we really going to do it in January? And I saw then the number I saw was 20 million, which double that. But anyway, outside of that, I don't see how we can change from the back three. Cody's the captain. He's the first name on the sheet. And if you're going to play Cody, I think we all know you've got to play a back five. Plus, Kilman and Sais have been playing really well recently. So I think it's back three slash five. I think eight gets to start again, unless he's injured. And I did read that the only reason he dropped Marcel was because he was injured. So even though I think most of us think that Marcel hasn't been playing very well, it wouldn't surprise me to see uh, him come back if he's over his injury. Obviously, if eight or he's injured, then that uh, that forces his hand. And then Semino at right back. Up front, I'll come back to midfield. Midfield, I think, you're right, Neves and... Dendonka, I think, will give Matunio a rest. Obviously, he might be injured and force his hand. Bring Neves, and, uh, Neves or Matunio and Dendonka seem to be the starting in the middle. And then up front, Raul and Wang definitely. Then it comes down to, is it Traore or Pedence? Has Pedence done enough to earn a start over Traore? That's what it would come down to. And I, I would probably start Pedence.
1: seeing, working on that backwards, I'm seeing Trincao come back in. Uh, mm. on, on the right-hand side, I think, I think Trara will be benched on Monday. I think he'll want to have Trinkau playing a little more inside as that wider forward, a little closer to Raoul. And I think that will be the intention on the left-hand side with Wang as well, to try and get Wang playing as much as possible uh, as a genuine partner to Raoul, because that's where they've shown that they can do some good damage. A lot of the times on... Saturday, I was crying out for Wang and Raul to be closer together. But then you forget how much defensive work Wang was doing coming back down that left side as well. So you do forget the amount of work that he puts in up and down that flank. So that factors into it as well. I, I, I may be seeing Marcel come back in if he goes horses for courses versus how Everton set up and what their threat will be down... The right-hand side. I still think he favours Marcel's defensive ability against the opposition more than what Eitner can offer. But then again, you're at home, so if you can start away at Leeds and do pretty good, then really that should give you the confidence that Eitner can start at home and play well.
3: One of the things I will say is Seamus Coleman's pushing retirement, and so you've got to look at their right back as we have a lot of players with a lot of pace. And that has to be somebody you target on their back line. I think Podence or Traore, if used correctly, could really expose Seamus Coleman all day. I know he's got experience, but there's no way he keeps up with them. No way. Interesting.
0: I wonder if this is a game where they give Huang a little bit of rest um, and go with Adama or Trincao. Otherwise, I could see Huang and Trincao. I think you guys, a lot of you guys are right about him slotting in. I still think Podence is. Going to be settling into that super sub role, but we shall see. So let's hear some prediction, guys. Dan, you start off.
3: We're at home. It's a Monday night game under the lights. I'm going to go. I think we're going to put a performance in, and I'm going to subscribe to your train of thought there, Josh, and think Everton are going to be shook. I'm going to go 3-1 Wolves.
2: Ooh, nice. David? David? I'm not quite as optimistic as that, but I think we'll still get a result. I think two-one Wolves. I I think we always seem to be able to let a goal in recently, but I think we'll put one over in Everton and get a two-one win.
0: And that's even that's no knack on Saw either, because Saw has been great lately. Yes, yeah, it
3: it does seem like one just ends up slipping by. Paul, I did. I was going to jump in with it earlier at the end of the game. I think Saw has been a real revelation. You can see the times. There's been a couple of breakaways that he has started. He's already got an assist this year. I wanted to mention it earlier, but yeah, he he has been. he's learning about the Premier League. He gave a silly penalty away, but I think he's going to continue to grow, and I think he's going to be a great replacement for Rui.
2: That was a great deal. We made money on it. He's what, five years younger, and he's as good goalkeeper, and also his distribution is way better. So yeah, I totally agree with that.
0: Okay, Paul, what's your
1: prediction? I've got absolutely no rhyme or reason for this prediction, so it's going to be a fun one. I can see us winning 3-2 and for some bizarre reason it's going to be quite comfortable. It's going to be 3-1 up until the 85th minute and they'll get one late on and it'll cause a little panic but we'll hang on. But yeah, I'm Because we're really like waltz aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's prompted that decision. <laughs>
2: decades of
0: following rules i was thinking 2-1 but man dan and paul you guys got me you guys got me drinking the kool-aid i'm gonna say three two as well i like that Okay, Paul, what do we have for
1: no stupid questions this week? We've got some really good ones this week. That's no stupid questions. Listeners, the opportunity on the show for you to get in touch and ask us anything about the Wolves, be it match day experience, lineups, former players, you name it, you have got a free opportunity to ask whatever you like, either on our socials, Facebook and Twitter, or via email, hello at whole lot of wolves.com So some flashbacks to the game this past week. Joe Too, who's our regular uh, guest up in Connecticut, he says, "Do you think that Sais is upset at Samido for stealing his role?" as the guy who gets a penalty against him at the worst possible time <laughs> in a game, so quite scathing from Joe 2 there somewhat. And
0: I laughed so hard when I read that one.
1: <laughs> it does seem that Samedo has become somewhat of a pantomime villain for those two happening against him, and even though Saïs is the captain hook, he never really seems to be the one that really tips the scales and gets that red card or that side in tackling the box and for the penalty. I feel like somebody had to take uh, Doc's
0: spot though, so why not be Semedo, right?
1: Yep. <laughs> Next up, we got Brian Donnelly. Brian asks, again, what we ju- just talked about in terms of formation, but how do you think Art Nuri got on with his first start of the year on Saturday? Did he earn another uh, shot if Marcel isn't fit? Brian says he hopes so. He likes what he did. But he thinks Bruno really likes Marcel, which I think I think is pretty fair.
3: Yeah, in my opinion, it'll be criminal if he doesn't get the start. I've been really unhappy with Marcel. And I think he added something different. He added a bit of explosivity. And he's not going to get better if he doesn't get game time. And I really think there's a player there. If he struggles, it's got to be one of these situations where you give him a chance to learn. If he doesn't quite learn, maybe you have to bring a more experienced Marcel on. But even with Marcel's experience, he hasn't really been performing so well this season. And he's made a few stupid mistakes. So for me, it's Norrie all the way.
2: And and Marcel's crossing leaves a a lot to be desired. And actually, picking up on what you said before about Seamus Coleman, if you've got a a slow uh, right defender, what what better way to expose it than fast left wing back on our team, as well as a fast left midfielder. You've got two going against him there.
0: Y'all know how I feel about Eaton or E. I love the guy. He had some really, really fun moves in the box on Saturday. He had that one shot that was blocked away, but it was one of those where it was like, yeah, I like the idea he had there.
1: I love the, I love him with the ball at his feet, and especially if he can pop up in those types of positions because he's going to win some fouls there. So hopefully the the deck falls on our side if he's, he's playing more <laughs> and, and getting those types of opportunities. They
2: won't be given, but he will get them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this one is a really good one that I think myself, David and and Dan can shed some light on for Alex Petticus. And he asks for an American planning a trip to Molyneux in 2022, what do you think would generally deliver the best atmosphere? Would it be a night game, i.e. Arsenal in February or a traditional Saturday afternoon kickoff, or wait until it's warmer later in the season regardless? What do you think there, Dave?
2: I have to say the the best Wolves match of my life was the late December 3-2 win against Man City. So, you know, when you get that kind of, the weather's cold, it's dark, you've got your Bovril in your hand... (laughs) Maybe even a beer by then. I think they're thinking <laughs> of a beer up in
1: the sector. We, we might need a whole new episode to tell America what yeah, possible is. So right. Let's save yeah, that. Exactly. Till,
2: yeah, exactly. Those sort of late afternoon, evening games when it's dark, the floodlights are on, that atmosphere is amazing. Yeah, I don't think you can beat that. So whether it's late afternoon, a late kickoff in, in, in the winter or a true evening game, I think the night games have the best atmosphere.
3: For me, I, I like making a day of it, coming in hitting the deadly arms up for a full English, having a few beers in the pub before the three o'clock kickoff, maybe getting a pork joint or seeing if uh, you can get hold of some of Manny's samosas or something on the way into the stage. Then you go, you enjoy the game. Hopefully you get a result. And then you're back to the pub afterwards. Yeah, I like the evening games are fun. And I agree with David, but you can make a whole day of it when it's uh, when it's uh, an afternoon three o'clock kickoff. And that, that you can have a lot of fun with that as well.
1: And again, America, pork joint is a meat-based <laughs> big sandwich with gravy. It's got nothing to do with another use of the term joint whatsoever. So <laughs> I'm just gonna just gonna caveat that. I, I say the, the simplest answer in that dilemma is to do both because there's nothing more special than a night game under Molyneux lights, especially against a good opponent, traditional opponent what. Arsenal would be, but then equally, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like a traditional 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff either. So try and schedule your trip to do both if you can, and don't don't let the weather put you off because that's part the fun to a certain extent. That that's what adds a little bit of magic to it all. So yeah, those colder games, football in England, it's a winter sport. So just go and embrace it. I think you'll have a blast. And I think the only thing we ask Alex is that you come back on a whole lot of walls after you've been to to tell us all about it, whatever decision you make. So hope to hear from you about that. Absolutely. And I just
2: looked it up. That's actually Alex from New York. Yeah, You met him the other day, Dan. Sorry you couldn't make it on Saturday, Alex, and I hope your dog's feeling better.
0: <laughs> I, I tell you what, guys, just listening to you guys talk about it, man, I can't wait to go out there for oh, yeah. the first time. It's just oh, – yeah. Man, I'm
2: totally looking forward to it. Whenever I'm able to, I get would love out there. to get it. We talk about it in New York quite a bit. There's a few of us. Obviously, it's a much easier flight from New York, and I, I would love to bring a uh, few of our recruits. Tim's been wanting to come. Alex, uh, obviously, just joined us. He wants to go. I'd love to get a trip. It's hard to coordinate logistically, and pandemic certainly hasn't helped. But that'll be fantastic. Get a get a dozen or so people from the USA over for a one match.
1: That would be yeah. awesome.
0: Now, are you guys coming down to Texas when Wolves come this summer?
1: Oh, yeah. To, uh... Is that happening? We, we're just making it happen. We don't care what the cops yeah. say. Oh, good. <laughs> we just host Sorry. it and see what happens. Making it into
0: existence. <laughs> I think that there's no pandemic. It's a no-brainer because how many years are they going to be able to capitalize on Raul's popularity? But, yeah, I figure the more I talk about it, the more it's going to happen. So, um, I'm going
3: to join you there because I reckon I can get a free ticket to that.
0: Yeah, we, cool.
2: yeah, we'll be able to figure out something, I'm sure. They were coming last summer. But obviously the pandemic blew that up. But yeah, I would absolutely do that.
0: Yeah. I I actually had one, and we didn't answer this of the last week. But Wayne McKee had this one, our Australian buddy. He said, does anyone believe any Wolves reporters have a clue about contract negotiations regarding Adama? Twice we've heard from <laughs> Liam King and uh, Tim Spears saying a new contract is imminent than absolutely nothing for weeks, so they get their information from the back of a cornflakes box. This kind of goes back to what I was saying as far as how hard news is to get. I'll, you guys grew up reading the reporters over there. Is there any accuracy over there? What's the deal?
1: I think we've been as tightest as, as the club has ever been in terms of outbound information that's leaked, and I think even reports that have, have come out in recent years have gradually gone down based on
3: mm-hmm.
1: the, the staff at the club. I think we let the likes of Liam Keane and Tim Spires get on with their day job and not be over, overly <laughs> critical because they're playing with two hands tied behind the bat really as, as a journalist and have to, have to feed on the scraps that they can get. So I think it's a little harsh to put a big spotlight on them and asking them for all these scoops or the inside track on how much is going to be getting and for how long. I will say I've really liked Liam Keane's
0: coverage this year. I don't know if you guys read a lot of his stuff, but he's been bringing some interesting articles in.
1: Yeah, he's, he's, he seems to be a good balance, which is what you want. He's, he, he's right to criticize when it's due. And from my basic understanding, he seems to call a spade a spade. And his reports and his summaries are pretty on point. So yeah, the stuff that's been put out there has been pretty decent.
0: Yeah, he's had some some good features. My only criticism, really, is I feel like some of his grades are a little bit higher sometimes than they probably should be. Who's your guys? Who's your favorite go-to reporter for Wolves coverage? We haven't discussed this.
2: I like Tim Spears. He mm-hmm. seems to have some good stories, and I I do like the Athletic format where it's much longer form and you can discuss a narrative rather than just fitting it into three paragraphs. But I still use News Now. As, a, as an aggregator, I've used it for 20 years, maybe even more, uh, or it just scrapes, uh, scrapes all the stories from all over the place and uh, gives you a quick breakdown. So I, I don't necessarily go to one specific reporter. I just look at uh, latest headlines on News Now and click through the uh, the headlines, read about two sentences about the latest 56 Portuguese players will be signing in January and then <laughs> move on to the next one. <laughs> Dan, who's your go-to guy?
3: Yeah, again, I probably use it, Tim more than most. It's just so difficult to discern, like you say. I've been steering more and more into trying to listen to different analysis of the games and stuff, because the the stuff that comes out of the club. I I even got I was a little disappointed with Tim Spears' interview and Jeff She. I understand why it was like it was because he's been trying to get stuff. He's been he wants to have a relationship there at the club that he can get information from, but at the same time, to an extent, if you do that. You can't bite the hand that feeds, so it's tough. I think Folsom's approach. I'm okay with it, to be quite honest. I think it's probably better that they have they run a tight ship than an open book. But I wish they would be a little bit more open with some of the things they could be in terms of injuries. I think they are trying to do better with that. We're seeing like more regular, more accurate injury updates because before somebody, some of the players go missing and. It's a month before you even know why they've gone or what's going on. or So I think they are trying to improve that. But like I say, it would be nice to get a bit more interaction, but I can see why they are the way they are. And I prefer a chite ship to an open book. But I just it, it just takes a little bit of effort to ignore as much of the speculation and not get carried away with every single rumor that you read.
1: Paul, I know you like Spears. Yeah, Tim's pretty decent, again, to today's point, that that longer form article in the Athletic's decent. And I'm in full agreement with Dan in terms of being being open or, or what have you in terms of the content that they put out there. And I, I do, I think the, the injury news has become a little bit more... Um, more given in terms of timelines or progression and things. And you have to also realise with these journalists and, and what the club come out with is that they've actually got a lot more content to play with at the moment because it's been widely reported that Bruno will gladly spend 45 minutes, 60 minutes with a group of journalists and go in a heck of a lot of more detail than Nuno ever did. So it's no slight on Nuno. It's just two different managers interpretation of the press and, and how they wish to work with them. So I think as a as an overall understanding of what's going on at, at a first team level, I think we're in a we're in a pretty good spot. I think some of the regional journalists that, that have popped up recently, there's um guys attached to the the Birmingham Mail and those sister publications, they're putting some good stuff out. There's a a few freelancers covering all the Midlands teams that seem to put some good stuff out there uh, about the Wolves. And then I think we're in the age of having it the best that we've ever had in terms of analysis, because it's often down to fans or analysts who do it as a part-time side hustle or that they really know what they're looking at so some of the accounts out there on on twitter and the blogs in terms of walls analysts or tactical breakdowns gully from the fancast is a great one on youtube where it's 10 15 minutes with going through formations and things like that so i think we're actually we're pretty spoilt in terms of content that we consume about the walls it's accurate and, and enlightening, be it official or otherwise. Can exactly. I just add
2: that if I never hear another article or if I never read another article by like Gabby Agbonlahor about Wolves, it will be too soon. <laughs> I text my Villa friend, I'm like, why does gabi Agbonlahor think that he's a bloody expert on Wolves? Just stop it. And it's always ludicrous comments about this player's leaving and that player's coming in. It's just stop, just focus on Villa where you actually might know what you're talking about. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, David, Dan, before we bring this home, if you're a New York-based guy or girl tuning in for the first time or visiting the city, where should they go and get in
3: touch with you guys? So, best place to reach us is the New York Wolves Facebook group. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. And we meet up regularly for at the McHales Pub on West 51st Street.
1: And that brings this week's show to an end. So please continue... To do what you can in terms of liking subscribing and reviewing whole lot of Wolves on the podcast platform you find yourself listening to us on we'll be back next week to review the Everton game and then preview the next fixture which is an away trip to Crystal Palace so in the meantime it's up the Wolves